everyone. Welcome to the podcast. This week I'm thrilled to share with you that I have another artist guest. I'm speaking with Wendy Solganic and you might know her over on Instagram as Willa Watercolours. This was a wonderful chat. Wendy has a wealth of experience. She ran her own art business for many years and it was super successful but she left it all behind to focus on her own art and on her family. Since then, she has been taking my online classes and really exploring a more abstract style of watercolour art. And she came to this conversation with a question because now that she's in there making art all the time, it's starting to pile up and she's not sure about whether she wants to start selling her work. So she asked me, what should she do with all this art? She even asked me whether or not I ever put my art in the bin. So tune in to find out more about what happens when you've got heaps of art and you don't know what to do with it. Wendy also asks me a whole lot of questions about my art business and it really got me thinking and I appreciated Wendy's wisdom that she was able to give me. So I hope you find the conversation very inspiring and interesting. So let's have a chat with Wendy. Hi, Wendy. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So, Wendy, you have been a very active member in my online class community. I've been seeing your work pop up over on your Instagram page, Willow Watercolours, and I can see that you are in there painting and creating all the time. So can you tell me a bit about that? Yes, I can. So a little bit over a year ago, my, let's see, then 12-year-old, no, she would have been 13, my 13-year-old daughter um, encouraged me to start an Instagram account for my art. And I was really hesitant at first, but just kind of typical of me and my personality, once I start something, I kind of get like very, very involved almost to a sort of strange degree. So I had, I've basically been an artist my entire life and I had really put that away for a while for various reasons. And then when she encouraged me and I was like, you know, maybe I'll give that a try. I kind of, of course, fell into it really hard. And then eventually came on your account. I was kind of waiting to take your classes. I was thinking I was going to give all of your classes to myself as a gift at the end of this hundred day project that I'm doing. And then when I saw you were having that sale, I was like, oh, I don't wanna miss the opportunity to get all the classes at the best price. And so I signed up for all of them, all, you know, in a, all in a matter of a few minutes. And I started taking them and it was like this portal had opened for me that I was really kind of waiting for you know, watching what you were doing, seeing your work on Instagram, but not knowing how to access that within myself. And then by starting to watch your classes, it was like, oh my gosh, this is, you know, this is accessible. This is accessible to me. And um, it's kind of, you know, it's really helped me along in my very, you know, probably unique, different journey than, than most people, than most people take with their art. But, you know, I just... Whoa. I had to say thank you so, so much for all the, the work that you and your husband put into those classes because they're really wonderful. And I will tell you, I have taken a lot of online classes and yours are up there with the best. So really, thank you for that. Oh, thank you. That's that's such lovely feedback to get. And when you said the word accessible, that just, that really makes me happy because that is front and center of our business. It's around making the opportunity to create easy for people them to be able to tap into and then go on and discover what's already inside of them but giving them as you described it like a portal in it is because there's so many techniques that you guys are showing people on your videos that you know I would look at some work that you or another abstract artist had done and it would be like you know I'm so attracted to that I really like that so much but I don't even know where to begin that's where my head would usually be at yeah and um it's just a beautiful thing that it's like look here's these are the steps this is where you begin and uh yeah I'm just totally loving it I'm I'm not completed with all the classes I'm kind of like waiting for this perfect moment to cover my kitchen in like tarps so that I don't get acrylics all over the place. That's kind of where I, where I kind of 
I got to this place with the watercolors, which is the medium that I'm really mm. comfortable in. And you kind of helped me access this technique with watercolor that I had previously not ever explored, which is abstract watercolors. I was so, I was so bound up in, you know, painting these florals all the time and, and trying to get them to look a certain way and learning how you approach watercolor so differently, you know, than, than most people approach watercolor has really opened up this really wonderful thing for me. So Oh, that's so interesting. So it sounds like the abstract kind of component of it has been really freeing for you. Very freeing. Yeah, because if you look at my work in my earlier Instagram, there's nothing abstract about it. I mean, it, it is, you know, quote unquote, loose florals, mm. but there's nothing abstract about it. There's no mark making. I was not somebody who would even have begun to do mark making had you not, you know, kind of held my hand. It's basically like you holding our hands and saying, you know, this is how I approach art. And if you like what I do, you could approach art this way too. And I love what I'm doing. I mean, it's so strange to me to think now, you know, will I ever go back to painting the way that I used to paint after I've kind of like, again, like gone into this portal? And I don't know the answer to that. I can't predict it at all, but I'm just so happy being here. Oh, it's always good, isn't it? Just to follow what feels good. So by just listening to you, you sound really excited and engaged. And that's the, the best indication that you are where you need to be. Don't you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely very excited and engaged. I have a little bit of a concern uh, and maybe it's a weird concern, but my concern right now, and one of the reasons why I really what was really craving having a conversation with you is, um, what am I going to do with all this art that I'm making? You know, ah. it's, I, I hadn't <laughs> intended, you know, I really hadn't intended on, on um, starting another art business because I had, I've, I've done various art businesses, some of them very successful, some of them not so successful. And I was really at a place in my life where this is really just supposed to be, you know, for me, right? Not for the consumer. I'm not trying to create something for someone else and sell anything to anyone else. Cause I've, I've definitely been there. I know what that, you know, I know what's involved in that. This is just not that time of, of life for me. I really was doing this just for me. And now all of a sudden I'm finding myself like, okay, I'm doing this just for me, but now I have a whole lot of art. <laughs> and there's only so much of your own art that you really, I think, want to put up on your own walls. Yeah. It kind of gets to the point where it's like, okay, and I want to keep creating. That's a whole other thing. You know, every class that you have, I want to do it all. So now I'm starting to think of, okay, I'm really creating these things that I love. I want to keep creating, but I also don't want in my life, personally, I don't want that pressure that I have to sell. So I'm just kind of wondering what you think about that. And I know you have a lot of students and maybe you've heard, I don't know, but maybe other people have mentioned to you, you know, what are they doing? What are the different things that people do with the art that they create? There's quite a few different options and you you know you've mentioned that you can branch into selling your work but with that comes a whole lot of other things you know and pressures and you have to really ask yourself if that's what you want it's challenging and initially it's not all that viable either so it can be a bit of a hard slog um so you can be doing a lot of work which can take you away from creating so that's yes. the challenge with selling is that then you're doing things like setting up your website, working on marketing strategies and figuring out how to frame things and ship things and all that sort of stuff. And then suddenly you find that you're not in the studio creating, you know, you might have been creating every day and you're not. And so that's something you've really got to weigh up. The other possibilities around, you know, what you can do with your art. One is that you can gift it. And I did a lot of that when I was um, starting out. You know, I would give work away to people. I would also, um, I'd sometimes I would sell work at across the road from us as a kindergarten and they would be wanting to raise money. So I would sell my artwork to raise money for a good cause, you know, but that would just would be... Would you give all the 
proceeds to the charity that you were selling it for? For this particular example that I'm thinking of, I did a 50% split. So that's a good question because okay. I did. I kept 50% and half of it I gave to the charity, to the kindergarten. You know, there are sort of things that you can do like that. Can I back it up a little and ask you a question about gifting? Yes. Because I've been thinking, I've been really starting to think about this as, yeah. Yeah, as the work is just sort of piling up. So I have this friend that I want to... <laughs> I want to gift some art to. And every time I come up with a new color scheme, I send her a picture of it. I'm like, just curious. What do you think about this? And she'd be like, oh, it's not, you know, it's not really my thing. Oh, that looks kind of depressing. Like she'll make these comments. And what I'm thinking is, you know, I'd like to gift people art, but I'll tell you something. When I've been gifted art in the past, it's usually not art that I want. Yes. And it becomes this sort of like awkward thing. And so I was wondering when you were gifting things, were you inviting people over and saying, I'd like to give you a gift you can choose from these items? Or were you just saying, hey, here's a framed piece of my art as a gift? Like, how did you do that? That's funny because we've I've had this exact conversation with my husband because I am totally in your camp around this. Uh, whereas he would be like, oh, I could just grab something off, you know, off the table and give it to a friend, you know, for a housewarming gift. I'd be like, they might not even like that. So I, yeah, I completely understand where you're coming from around art being very personal. And my preference around that is usually just to let someone come over and have a look at what you have and if they're interested to take it. Or sometimes I've had situations where someone's commented on something online and I've I've just said, if you want it, you can have it. This was definitely in the early days where I didn't even have a platform for selling. So if I had someone come over to my home and there was something that they liked and I was and all that attached to it, then they would leave that day with that piece of art in their hand because I was trying to clear the clutter because like you, stuff was starting to pile up. I can only imagine because where we step in, you know, as the as the students in your classes, like we're not stepping in at the beginning of a story. We're stepping in three quarters of the way into a story. And I know that we don't know all of the years of art making that led up to this point in your story. So I imagine that to get to the point that you're at with your art, we're talking about a lot, a lot of art creation. So I also have bought boxes of art. So I did a lot of work on paper um, when I started out. So I have got, you know, old stuff that I've kept, which is more for memory and the journey. Some of it is very different to the work that I do now. Because it's paper, it doesn't take up a huge amount of space. So I do have a few Tupperware kind of plastic um, containers that you can slide under a bed or something like that and they're just full of pieces and and I do think there's something lovely about keeping some of that early work so you can go back and look at where you've come from and the journey that you've had and a similar thing with journals you know they don't take up a huge amount of space so I've kept some of my old journals but on the flip side of that I've also been really ruthless and I have there is stuff that I have just got rid of. And when I say got rid of, I mean some of it has just ended up in the trash. It doesn't bring me joy, which makes me think of Marie Kondo, <laughs> if you've watched yeah, her. Yeah, I'm a huge yeah. fan of hers. Yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of that whole concept of whether it sparks joy. And if it doesn't, and it took me a long time to get to this point, I always felt like I had to hang on to everything, but I just started letting stuff go. And what I found was that it gave more space, like particularly in my studio. I got rid of stuff in my studio that wasn't making me happy you know if I'd look at it and didn't like it or you know and then I just filled up with my space with things that were um, motivating me yeah I found that actually really helped my art so I think sometimes it's worth letting things go you know if you've got sketches or things it's okay to just put them in the recycling bin (laughs) It's fine. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know how your your class where you use the old book pages yeah. and you make the collages. Mm. So I I got very lucky. Um, a local store, like a beautiful, beautiful local ceramic artist who has a gift shop, invited me to come to her store, and she wanted to sell my pieces there. And I was so excited. And they're there now, and she's photographing them, and she's gonna put them up on her website. And there was one piece that I was like, yeah, this doesn't really belong with the rest of them, and I'm sitting here talking to right now I looked up and there is that piece staring staring at me and really it just belongs in the trash I think I need to take your advice and just let 
more things go because I'm feeling this weird sense of overwhelm a little bit with how much I create and not letting go of anything at this point. It's so weird. If I, if I don't, you know, cut it up and repurpose it, it's just sitting in, in these boxes and it's, it is starting to kind of make for a very messy studio. Yeah. And that clutter can, can really get in the way, um, physically and mentally. And if you take photographs of your art and you've got sort of a record of things on social media, then for me, I think, well, you, you can always look back to see your journey. You don't actually need to always keep every physical piece. So it's good to take photographs and, and catalogue your path, but I'm all for cleaning out the clutter and making space and editing down what you have around you and in both your art and your supplies. I think that it helps you to have a clearer understanding of what you enjoy when you create art, which helps you then to hone your style and make more art that feels really good. I agree with you. Can I talk about a tip that you gave me in one of your classes that has really changed the way that I make art? Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious. Oh, you know, I know, I, I think, you know, I know that, that I de- definitely want to tell my story, but I feel like I have so much to talk to you about just art creation and the ways that you've helped me. Um, so previously, if I was going to the art store and I was looking for, let's say a supply recently, I just kind of stocked up on acrylic wash like a couple months ago and I would just go and I would just buy a whole bunch of acrylic wash and all these different colors that I like that, you know, maybe I would use, maybe I would never use them. I didn't even know. I was just kind of spending money like willy-nilly feeling like guilty about it but so excited about trying acrylic wash so something that really changed when I started taking your classes is you really encouraged us to basically come up with a limited color palette and use that color palette in the class and that was really the first time that I had explored that just really specific limitation Mm. of the color palette. It's not like I had never painted in a limited color palette before, but not really that consciously the way that you were doing it. What that ended up developing into for me is just picking a palette saying, you know, it doesn't mean this is going to be my palette forever. It doesn't mean that it's my favorite color palette of all time, but I like it. So here are these colors. I'm going to go to the art store and instead of buying a certain supply in every color, I'm going to look for different supplies in this limited color palette. So I think we both love Payne's Gray. I feel like Payne's Gray is kind of (laughs) beloved right now, not just amongst the two of us, but just in general. Yeah. And so I went and it was like, this brand of this stick comes in Payne's Gray. Okay, I'll pick that up. Payne's Gray in acrylic paint. I'll pick up one of those. And it is such a different way of creating. So now the only thing that I really have around me are a variety of mixed media materials in my limited color palette. It's really transformative for me personally in the way that I've been working. I know that whatever I create using these colors, I'm going to be able to create something that's cohesive. And I also know that I have enough of a variety of materials that I'm not bored with Mm. what I've got because I may have different colored pencils in three or four of my colors from my palette. You know, it's, it's just, I have all these different things and they all go really well together. And, um, I think if someone looks at my Instagram feed and they, they go back to older posts, you know, they go, they do that like deep dive and they see how it's evolved. I think it's something that, you know, other people who are looking to up their game, they're looking to, to grow their art into that next level. I think that that's definitely a technique that is super, super cool as far as the results that you get. And I was really hesitant to do it at first. (laughs) I heard you talk about it and I was like, Mm, I don't know if that's going to work for me. (laughs) You know, I really like, I love all color. And how could I just stick with, you know, four or five of them. How is this, how is this going to work? And I really like, I asked a question in your Facebook group and I was like, you know, what do people think about this? And as (laughs) soon as I did it, it was like magic started to happen. Yeah. Well, that was my experience too. It was one of the things that really helped me when I was um, trying to kind of figure out what my art was all about. And I wanted things to be more cohesive and have a stronger sense of of me in my work. And by doing that, I found it was, yeah, just elevated everything. So it's one of the things that I 
have pretty much incorporated in all of my classes in some sort of shape and form is is to use limitations to your advantage. It's so interesting to hear your experience of it and that initial little bit of resistance um, to, you know, to doing it. Yeah, I, I was totally scared. I was yeah. totally scared. But even now I can see how it doesn't mean you're limited for very long mm. in the sense that let's say you're like you're working with maybe these five colors and you do it for a month or more, however long it feels right. And then all of a sudden it's a different season and you incorporate maybe one color and you lose one color. And it can just, it can keep evolving with you, but it can remain, it can keep like a cohesiveness as it evolves. Yeah. So it doesn't ever have to get, it doesn't ever have to stagnate and get boring and like, Again, I kind of obsess about your Instagram account because I really connect with your work. And we can even talk about that and why I think your work is so incredible. But your sense of color is, it's both exciting and relaxing all at the same time. It's, it's like, I, I do think that you are truly, truly talented when it comes to color. Have you ever thought about that? Like, I have a real knack for color. <laughs> uh, not really, but I do get that feedback a lot. So that's kind of um, made me think that there might be something to it. But color is probably, it's one of the things, I suppose it's, it's often my starting place when I'm, you know, creating work. Like color is always very central to, to what I'm doing. And I kind of pick my color palette and then other things flow from that. Um, so I think I've always put color sort of as the, it's at the heart of everything that I do. And I'm very, I don't know, I, I probably notice color more than I notice some other things. You know, when I'm just out and about and I'm very drawn to colour palettes and clothing and textiles around the home and out in nature. And so, yeah, there probably is something there. <laughs> I have like a limited sort of experience in art school. Mm. I when Back when I was in my early 20s, I took a lot of art classes at a, at a college in Los Angeles. I've always been extremely drawn to color and not so much drawn to like narratives in, in artwork in the sense of, you know, I'm not really trying to tell a super deep story with my art. I'm not trying to, you know, break down any walls or, you know, make a political statement with my art. And, and I remember when I was in this one drawing class in particular, um, that that really rubbed the instructor the wrong way. <laughs> that I, I was pretty much like, look, I really like nature and flowers and I really just like decorative art. And she didn't like that at all. She didn't think that that was legitimate at all. I'm just wondering as I'm talking to you, because I think the reason why I'm so drawn to your work is because it is so color forward and it's so, you know, that is the that is, I think, like one of the most significant things that I feel when I feel your work is this immense sort of connection with color. Mm. And I was wondering if you had ever thought about sort of art in that in that way, in the sense of like, you know, is it not art if it's not political, it, you know? Have you, I don't know if you, I don't even know if you actually went to formal art school training. No, I didn't. And so I've never had that kind of pressure placed on my art to have any kind of deep meaning or be breaking down boundaries or making a statement. Uh, so I've never really felt that my art needed to do all that. And I have, you know, I have had people say to me that my art just wouldn't hold up in an art school critique because, you know, there isn't that, I don't know, substance beneath it. I, I guess I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, you definitely yeah. you don't have to care. It's interesting. <laughs> I'm just like, as we're talking, and this is so much of like why I wanted to talk yeah. to you, is because your art, it brings me so much joy to look at it that I wanted to ask you questions yeah. <laughs> about it. And I kind of enticed you. <laughs> This is really interesting and I'm sure that many people have questions just like you have. I think they do probably. Yeah. yeah, so it's an interesting thing to sort of dig into the why of, you know, why do you make art and what's the whole sort of meaning behind it. For me, when I'm making art, it's, I'm trying to think, it's it's a few things. 
it's about how it makes me feel ultimately when I'm creating. Um, Art has very much played a path for me in improving my experience of life and being a more confident person. So when, uh, before I started making art, I just, I really struggled with where I fit in the world and I didn't, I found it difficult to use my voice, which kind of seems funny now that I have a podcast (laughs) and I use my voice all the time and I'm on social media, but you know, I found it very difficult to show up and art gave me a medium for showing up and I found I found it easier to talk to people and I, suddenly I had something to talk about whereas previously I might have been fairly quiet people only had to ask me about what I was doing and before I'd know it I'd be chatting about what I was creating where I was buying my art supplies how I was setting up a website and I was doing this that and the other and it breathed life into me my art was very much initially motivated around that it was it wasn't really for anybody. Do you know what I mean? It it started from the- I totally know what you mean. For me, art is about the feeling that I get when I'm making it. And that feeling is a feeling of being healed. Yes. Because I think everyone is carrying around some type of trauma. Like whatever it is that caused you to have that insecurity around your voice and to be afraid of using your voice. It's like, everyone has a story. I've got a story. Every single person has a story. And I find that when I'm making art, that story goes away and I can just be in the moment unlike any other experience that I have ever had. I completely agree with you. I I find it hard to put it into words because something happens in it, you know, and sometimes, you know, if I'm creating, I'll end up like crying. Sometimes I'll end up dancing. Sometimes, you know, it just does something magical. And that release was something that I, I needed and it helped me enormously. So that was really how it all started. Then what happened after that was trying to figure out what what I wanted to say (laughs) in in my art and getting confused. And that's when the overwhelm came in. And so then my art became about uh, how do I express myself more? And the way that I discovered how to do that was to ask myself a lot of questions around my art and really hone in on what I was enjoying. And that usually came back to colour. So I started to really refine my colour palettes, use colour as a way of I guess, expressing myself and then using mark making was probably the next thing that really excited me was, you know, using patterns and and the combinations of different things. And the, I'd say the other thing is probably it's around freedom. I love mixed media art and doing things without really knowing how you're meant to do them. So you mentioned before that I approach watercolour in a very different way. That's because I've never been taught how to paint with watercolour. It's self-taught. I haven't been to art school. I just use supplies and figure it out as I go. And I'm doing the same thing at the moment with oil paint. I don't know really how to use it, but I'm experimenting with it and through trial and error, um, discovering things. And that takes me back to childlike play. So my art is very much about that. I have to say that that's a real true strength of yours because I noticed in myself that I do not have that strength or ability. I'm sort of the opposite where, you know, I kind of like, I need to see all of the technique and I need to learn the technique. And then maybe after I've learned it really well, I have this like confidence that I can try something else, but I never just go pick up a new art supply without also buying someone's class. Like for example, I wanted to try oil pastel and instead of just buying a bunch of oil pastels, I like bought a class and then I bought the oil pastels and then I found out I don't really love just oil pastels on their own. Mm. I'm really glad I ended up getting them because they're fabulous in mixed media. You know, just a whole painting with oil pastel that was never going to be my thing. I wondered as I was watching your classes, I was like, how does she know how to use all these different materials? And I'm really amazed by you in that you just go for it and you figure it out 
out along the way. That's, that's always been kind of something that's held me back is, is not having the confidence to just go for it and figure it out along the way. And that came up a lot when I owned my business with my business partner that we had for 14 years together. She was always like, we'll figure it out along the way. And I was always like, I need to know how it works before we start. So I'm very familiar with that. And I think that probably one of the reasons why I've been loving your classes so much is that I really appreciate that you're willing to do the figuring out for me. (laughs) Sometimes I'm figuring it out as the camera is rolling. (laughs) That is so interesting. Yeah, you know. (laughs) <laughs> so you're fearless. Like that's, that's a, that's a level, either you're, either you have fear and you're willing to do it anyway, or you just have a level of fearlessness when it comes to, to making art where it's not so precious. So it's like, you know, for me, I think I'm still holding on to a certain amount of preciousness mm. that I probably also could could stand some letting go of is like, so what again? So what if it goes in a garbage pail? So what I'm, I'm kind of a perfectionist. So it's like, I can see that showing up in my work and I just have to notice it and, and say, you know, you're trying too hard to know that you know how to do this, I guess, before you do it. Um, whereas I really appreciate with you that you're willing to try all these different materials, you know, together and, and create this magic. And then I just get to kind of watch and, and, and look out and <laughs> follow what you're doing. (laughs) It's interesting because I don't know where it's come from uh, because part of it I think is laziness (laughs) because I can't be bothered figuring out exactly how to do something. I don't have it in me to do heaps and heaps of research on techniques and things like that but I do have a perfectionistic streak so I have to manage that and I can relate to what you're saying about getting precious because it does happen to me as well. I'm certainly not fearless. I I just have to do, as you said, you know, notice when it comes up and remind myself that it's just, you know, whatever it is, a piece of paper, a canvas, you can make more and there's real growth in taking risks. That's where exciting things happen. But with that, you've got to be willing to accept when it doesn't work out. And that's the hard part because when you are being brave, your success rate isn't as high. There are times when I decide to do something right at the end and I get out like a black bottle of ink and I decide I'm just going to add it in and and sometimes it's not the right decision. Yeah, it's, it's funny. <laughs> I'm looking at your account even as we're talking with totally new eyes, like seeing things that I had never seen before. You really are very brave and very willing to just experiment. Yeah, experimentation is what it's all about as far as I'm concerned that is, I think the can be for people the missing piece in their art is that willingness to actually just think about something from a different direction, like be going down a path, for example, and then just go, you know what, why don't I just cut this in half? Or how about I just paint over three quarters of the canvas? And that kind yeah, of... Yeah, what I see with you is like, why don't I just, why don't I just glue this on? Like, it's just kind of like, it can take so many different directions. Yeah, and I never really know where I'm going to land. And even when I'm filming an online class, which makes it quite challenging <laughs> because I don't want to restrict it to a point, you know, and make it so step by step that I lose that energy. So there's always going to be an element of mystery in whatever's happening, which can be frustrating for my husband who films the online classes because he's like, well, what's your plan? <laughs> And I'm like, what do you mean? (laughs) I don't really know. But it's interesting to kind of, I think, vocalize that to the people who really love your work and take the classes Mm. is that, that a big part of the magic is that you don't know what the end result is going to be. Because I I think that, you know, I haven't watched every one of your classes yet, but I definitely think I didn't quite understand that Yeah. um, as I was watching them that, that really, I mean, I think I kind of got a little bit of a hint of it, but I don't think I really understood it as much as I, I feel like I'm understanding it now that it really is about experimentation and it's not about, you know, it's not about us making something that looks just like your work. Um, it's really more about you showing up and showing us what experimentation looks like. It's so good hearing you say that. It's actually, it's making a lot of sense to me. It's you're yeah, kind of articulating then, something that I, I've been doing it, but not really thinking about it. Yeah, I, it's funny because, you know, I've, I've literally like, 
been like, wow, it would be a dream to have a conversation with Laura about this because I, I think a lot. And I, <laughs> when I like something, I think a lot about it. It's funny, but now that you're saying that, it's almost like as you're painting when your husband is filming you, oftentimes what I'm thinking is, what is she thinking? Why is she, why is she doing what she's doing? So part of me is like, well, maybe she doesn't even really think like consciously. Um, it could just be very subconscious where you're, you're kind of in that flow state. You're not a hundred percent like super having to think about what you're doing. It's just like a feeling like I feel like I want to put a big, you know, area of pink over here, you know, kind of thing. And as I'm watching, I'm thinking, is she thinking about, you know, the elements of design? Is she thinking about balance? Is she thinking about, you know, unity? Is she thinking about creating differences? That's kind of one of the questions that I had about how you create. Are you like, like really, are you like me? Are you overthinking everything? Or is it really just intuitive and some stuff comes out great and other stuff kind of goes in a garbage pail? I think it's a bit of both because... It's kind of on a subconscious level and part of that is just because of the amount of art that I've made that some of those things I do without even really thinking these days. There are intentions around some of the stuff that I'm doing. So I'm, I am weighing things up. Like as I'm moving through a painting, I am looking at is it balanced, you know, where's the negative space? But it's not playing out like that in my head. It's just, just happening as I move through. It becomes very organic and part of the the process. So it feels intuitive. It's not like I'm sort of analyzing it as I go, but there is definitely that underpinning every move I make. There is something to it, but then there's also a willingness to break the rules as well and just try something and it be okay if it ends up in the trash can. There's both. Do you ever have to throw out like a whole wooden board or a whole canvas? Like what do you do when, when it's not working, let's say on something that's more permanent because obviously paper is not a scarce commodity but something like a wooden board or a canvas is a different story so I've heard with canvases I haven't used them yet but I've heard that people just paint over them yeah so you can continue to layer and layer on top of a canvas but what happens is the canvas builds up many layers of paint so you lose that smoothness of a canvas and depends on what kind of you know what kind of style of painting you're doing but if you're doing lots of mark making and things you're going to end up with texture to be honest for me once a painting gets about four or five layers of paint and starts to get really thick and chunky it annoys me and frustrates me because the texture ends up in areas where I don't want it. I, I love adding texture, but I like to know, I like it to be done in an intentional way. So I have got to a point where I've had to weigh up whether to continue on with a painting because I'm getting frustrated or whether to get rid of it, just let it be, basically put it in the recycling or whatever. Do I sand it back? Do I invest time in sanding it back? Do I keep going around in circles and end up using up loads of paint, which is also expensive? Um, would I be better off using my time just starting on something fresh? Is there, and sometimes for me, it feels like there's just bad energy in the painting. Mm -hmm. It's actually better to start something new than to just keep going around in circles on something that's just somehow something's got into that painting and it's, it needs some time, time away from me. <laughs> so have you ever actually gone as far as just throwing one in a garbage? Yeah, yep, yeah, I have. You know, there are going to be people listening to this that'll probably say that's terrible. You can always, you know, bring a canvas back. You can always sand it. You can keep painting over it. You can, but sometimes I just have to weigh it up, whether it's worth my, worth my effort. And, you know, there have been pieces where I've just decided to let them go. And I've, I've started something fresh instead. Not that many. Most of the time I, you know, put pieces aside and I'll come back. I'll just attack it from a different angle. So if it's really textured, I might go, you know what, I'm just going to embrace the texture of this piece and use it as an opportunity to experiment with texture and I'll get out something like moulding paste and, and just make it even more textured and, and see what happens. I have a very small studio and I don't have a huge amount of storage space so that does come into play as well. Um, the answer to that question, if I'm totally honest, yes, there have been pieces that I have put in the bin. 
I mean, it's just, I think it's helpful for us to hear that. Yeah, I can't deny it. Sometimes I get frustrated and I feel like the canvas has got bad, bad energy and I let it go. Bad energy. <laughs> that was uh, really helpful. Yeah, so yeah, there are definitely ways you can, I understand that art supplies aren't cheap. So to just toss a canvas in the bin is not viable for for many people and there are certainly ways that you can take a different route. It's always good to think about things though in terms of your time as well as how much money you've spent, especially when you're running a business. Um, You've got to weigh up the whole scenario and think, is it worth me spending hours sanding this back? Is it worth me continuing on when there's a good chance I'm not actually going to love this painting when I could just start a new one and in the same time finish it, sell it, have that money in the bank? Oh, I totally agree. I mean, I don't, I don't run a business anymore, but every minute is precious. Yeah. I have three kids. I take care of my elderly mom. I have a lot of responsibilities and yeah, it's precious. My time that I create art is totally precious. I, I believe that time is the most precious thing that you have. And that informs many of my decisions when I'm deciding what I'm going to do and how I'm going to spend my art making time. I'm looking at what's going to bring me joy as well as what's going to be beneficial for my business and provide for my family. And I make decisions based on that. I agree with that. All right then. So so have I answered your question then around what to do with your art? Because that's what you came to me at at the beginning. Was, that is. Yeah. I think, you know, I think I do have some more questions about it. So, you know, I realize that a lot of what you're doing is um, – you know, class creation. I remember in one of your podcast episodes, you mentioned that, you know, as it turns out, it's actually more lucrative as an artist to sell your classes, you know, to sell yourself as a teacher than it is to sell yourself as an artist. So do you feel like that's still true? It's really the classes that sort of there's a bigger demand for than there even is for the individual pieces of art? Yeah, there definitely is. And it's just the scale that you can achieve with online classes. I mean, when you move into anything that's online, um, you can reach so many more people. And so rather than selling a painting to one person, you can, you know, reach thousands of people through your online offerings. It makes a lot of business sense, but it also, for me, it's a way of impacting more people and connecting with more. Um, One piece of art, it just, in a way, I don't know how this is going to sound, but, you know, it just doesn't feel quite enough to me anymore. Um, I'm looking for a bigger impact. It's fascinating. Yeah. So I'm I'm wondering then, because you do even though I, I realize you're super busy and and the business end of things is definitely taking up a considerable amount of your time, yeah, I'm still looking at a lot of pieces <laughs> of art. You know, as I as I look through your feed, I'm seeing a lot of art here. So what are you doing? I, you know, I know you've talked about you, there's a, a cafe in town and yeah. you have things framed and you bring them to the cafe. But there's, there's still a lot more art here than it looks like even one cafe can handle. Yeah. So what is happening to most of what's here? Okay, so I have got piles of art that's meant to be put online for sale. It's sitting around my studio waiting for me to deal with it um, because I've got caught up in other parts of the business and I'm not as focused on that. I'm putting more energy into the online classes and the podcast and um, just doing more kind of community work, sharing stories and all that sort of stuff, it builds up and eventually I'll get around to sharing some of the work that I've done in the last sort of few months and I'll sell online through my website. There's there's a lot of labor in uploading all that, photographing, creating listings, all of that. So I have another question for you. Have you ever thought about hiring an assistant Oh, yeah, I talk about it quite a lot. (laughs) Yes. Because that is how my friend and I grew our little art business Mm. into a multi-million dollar business, (laughs) which is funny now that I'm laughing at it. But it, it basically started by hiring other people to do the overflow. And then it turned out that the thing that we were selling 
there was quite a demand for. I mean, we worked so hard. We worked so hard to build that business. And it grew and it grew and it grew, but it grew because we were able to hire people to assist. There's no way that the two of us ever, there were never going to be enough hours in, in the week. And, it, and, and having employees, no matter what your business is, whether it's an art business or any kind of manufacturing or doing anything, comes with a whole host of other stresses. Yeah, I've definitely been thinking it through. I'm at the point now where I am finding it challenging to do everything. My husband is full-time with me, so it's the two of us working on the business. It is becoming pretty hard to keep up with things, especially just the basic stuff that someone else could be doing, like the admin, the accounts, the email inquiries, the direct messages and all that. Like That is all becoming very overwhelming. I used to be at it, you know, I used to answer everything that came in and respond to comments and it's simply not possible anymore. I've been grappling with that a lot lately. Can I ask you what's, what's holding you back from getting an assistant? Um, well, my husband thinks I can't let go of control. (laughs) That's what he thinks, but I don't look, I'd say we will hire one with next year. That's what we've said, um, that we will continue on for the moment. I think it's probably just thinking through what are some of the, I guess, challenges and of having an employee and what areas of the business could I entrust to someone else and getting really clear about that. I think that that's just what's holding me back is, I don't know, I just keep on prioritising other things and I just keep putting it on the back burner and, and thinking that maybe... I don't know. I'm not sure. Look, it's a big leap. And the reality is I totally get the whole control thing. And had I not really lived it myself and let go of so many things and allowed other people to Mm. do them, I think I would feel exactly the same way. Um, I would encourage you to, to keep an open mind about it. Yeah, I think that you really are creating something really, really special. And I think that um, my opinion is you're getting really close to that place where you need some help. Yeah, I feel it too. Like I I do feel it. It's like every day it feels like it's creeping closer and it comes back to what I was talking about, about time being precious. Uh, There are things that I'm doing that I know aren't the best use of my time. I know that I could do more and reach the kind of, I guess the things that I really want to do and how I could actually help more people and make more of an impact. Like I could be doing that really powerful work um, and focusing in on that rather than, you know, approving Facebook requests or sending, you know, polite decline emails to the various different, you know, companies that contact you about things that you're not interested in because they don't fit with what you're all about. Like I, I recognize it every day that there's probably several hours of every day of me doing work that someone else could be doing and I could be doing something better. Uh, well, not better is probably not the right word, but, you know, something that would be yeah, a better no, use of so, my time. Or even if um, not necessarily that one task or job is more important than another, it's just it gets to the point where there's so many tasks to do because your business is growing at, at a decent enough rate that it just becomes, yeah, I could do that thing or another person could do that thing. I'm not saying that they're going to create a class, but something like, I'll give you an example. A lot of Facebook groups that I'm in have more than one administrator who interacts with the community, let's just say. In fact, there's another art Facebook group that I'm in where there's multiple like trusted senior members who have been around for a while instead of the artist being the one that's always you know keeping up with the members and commenting on everybody's posts and answering questions in that group it's not like they're faking it and pretending like it's the artist answering the questions it's like i'm an admin in this group and i too answer questions and give feedback and hold hands and and that kind of thing and i'm i mean i don't really even know if that artist is paying those other people they might even be volunteers there's just mm. different yeah, different things to think about yeah that's a wonderful suggestion thank you for that I have seen that as well and you're making me realize yeah it's probably time for me to start thinking about some of these things because the business is only getting busier and soon it's going to get even harder for me to carve out the time to train someone or you know 
provide the support needed in order for that person to be able to do what they need to do. So, you know, I think it's always a good idea to take on someone a bit earlier than what you anticipated rather than wait until you simply can't cope. I mean, I just, um, I'm remembering being young and having, you know, my business in its early days. And I'm sure I was scared out of my wits to give anything over or hire anyone. I think at the point where we started hiring people, I don't think that we were profitable even at the time, but I think it was like, you know, we kind of could see that the only way to really grow this thing was to start hiring people. And it ultimately ended up paying off. And it, you know, it doesn't mean that every employee is going to be with you forever, that they're going to be, you know, the one and a lot of the ones you fall in love with leave because they're so talented that they go off and they, you know, they do other things. So that's a whole other thing is, you know, you could have someone and train them mm. and they could do a wonderful job, like even a better job at some of the things yeah, that absolutely. You previously we're doing. And then, you know, they're not, you know, most people are not going to stay, stay with you in your business for the rest of their lives. That was always really heartbreaking to, you know, to lose people, not just because they were really great at their job, but also I'd become very like, I'd become very, um, you know, connected to each individual person. So that was a whole other thing. But, but I see a lot of potential in what you're doing. I see really greatness here. I want you to succeed. That's so I think lovely. What you're doing is wonderful. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yeah, you've kind of turned the podcast around on me and asked me loads of questions. Um, but I, I hope that you've enjoyed being able to ask me the questions that you had on your mind. I have totally enjoyed this conversation. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. Do you have any questions for me? Yeah, no, it's been very enlightening and you've really um, hit home on a few things and a few aspects of my business that I knew but didn't really know in a way if you know what I mean <laughs> well it's weird because I know it's I said this before but it's like you don't know me from Adam I'm just some girl who shows up in your classes and starts you know posting pictures in your Facebook group but I have this life experience and I can see I, I can see I just and I listen to all your that's a whole other thing I've listened to every episode of your podcast. So I hear about what you're going through, yeah. you know, with your business and you guys, I think it's so cool. It's so fun to listen, you know, how open you guys are and how you talk about all the business and what you're doing and, you know, struggling with and, and all these different things. And I'm listening and I'm like, oh, wow, I have so much knowledge and experience. Yeah. <laughs> That would apply to someone else's developing art business. I really want to talk to that, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's so cool. That's really cool that you saw that opportunity. So can yeah. I ask you, because I, I truly don't know too much about you and your art business that you used to run. Can you tell me a little bit about what that was and what that involved? Yeah. So basically it started out that when my when I had my first daughter and she was very, very young, there used to be this really popular craft called scrapbooking. Ah, yeah. I imagine, okay, so you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I know so exactly what you're talking about, yeah. 20 years ago, and it was so, so, so popular. And um, I was really into scrapbooking. And also prior to that, I had kind of dabbled in art school and I had taken a lot of calligraphy classes and bookmaking classes and all this stuff. I had all the, this variety of experience and I was a new mom and I had just moved to a new city. I met a woman. She really wanted to start her own business. She didn't even know what business she wanted to start. She just wanted to have her own business. She was very, very entrepreneurial and I wasn't on entrepreneurial. I was really like artsy craftsy. She met me and she convinced me to start a business with her. And we decided that we were going to start selling handmade invitations. And this just goes back to the stuff we were talking about. I, I kind of knew like how to make my own birth announcements because I had done that for my daughter when she was born, but I didn't know how to run a company. I didn't know how to make anything on a mass scale. I didn't know how to pack things up and ship them off. Like I didn't even know how shipping systems worked. I didn't know how inventory worked. I didn't even know how to print anything on a mass scale. And she was super confident. She's like, we'll figure it out along the way. <laughs> and 
And I'm just, it's my personality that once I commit to something, I kind of like go in whole hog. So you've got the combination of this person who's kind of like fearless and super entrepreneurial and I'm super artsy craftsy and I get really excited about things. And the combination of it, you know, made us kind of like unstoppable. And we basically entered a market in the United States that at the time was a very well-established thing, like the wedding invitation industry, birth announcements were super popular at the time, um, holiday cards, very, very popular. And the way that they were sold at the time, this was pre-internet, the way that they were sold is in these big, heavy catalogs where people would go to a fine stationery store or they would go to someone's home and they would look through these big catalogs. And basically what we did is we just started marketing ourselves and this cute product that we were making. We started marketing it locally. I kind of had this sense that doing this locally was like a no-win game. There was no way we were going to ever turn this into anything really big and that we needed to do this, you know, nationally or even internationally and create these big catalogs and get them into stores. And basically that's what we did. We figured out how to do it. We rented a space, we purchased inventory, we purchased equipment and just over time it just grew and grew and grew into this multi-million dollar business at the height, like basically before the economic bubble burst with the whole housing crisis. Mm. We had like either, I can't remember exactly, like something like 25 or 30 employees. Wow. Um, Yeah. So talk about like letting go of control. Yeah. The thing that's coming to my mind, which is so interesting is I'm like, wow, that's so brave. That's so brave. And you talk about how when I'm painting, I'm so brave. But, you know, when I hear (laughs) your story, I'm like, wow. First of all, my business partner was just, she's just really, she was amazing and fearless. And I was really motivated, frankly, just kind of like by money. I mean, I was young, I was married, I had one child and had to figure out a way, you know, to support ourselves. And my husband was also starting his own business at the same time. So we didn't have, you know, income from his business yet. And it was kind of like, I got to do this. So I got, I have to get over the fact that I'm afraid to do everything and I just have to do it. Even though I'm sensing all of this fear within myself. And again, you've got your husband and you guys can like, whatever your strengths are, can compensate for his weaknesses and vice versa. And that's really how it was with my business partner and I. She had some weaknesses that I compensated for and I had weaknesses that she compensated for. And together we we really built this this big thing. And then, you know, over time things started to change. The way that stationery was sold started to change. It started to be more and more online. Our lives started to change. I had two more children while I was running this business and it was growing. And that was really, really, really hard on me. Like the, the balance of, you know, work and home life, my interests started to change. Like after doing it for so long, like what was once fun and exciting, wasn't nearly as fun and exciting. Just, just things started to change. And eventually I said, you know what, I really need to focus on myself and my family. And even though it's, it's a huge risk to leave, I'm going to leave. And I left it all behind. And I chose I chose really, you know, to take a huge, that was like a huge risk, yeah. a huge financial risk to leave it behind. But I had to choose, I had to choose my kids and my sanity. And it's just something that, you know, I'm really sensitive to when I hear other people's business stories, especially moms with young kids, the challenges and the demands of raising a family and being there for people while at the same time, you're trying to grow this business that's going to support you and your family. Like it's a really challenging thing to do. It's a really brave thing to do. But I know that sometimes it's the only thing you can do. You feel like really called to do it. I know that for me, working for someone else in a big corporation, that was going to be like really soul sucking for me. Like I'd already kind of tried working sort of, I worked in a law firm um, back when I was single. And I just kind of knew that I wasn't really a corporate type, that I was like way more creative and that I could never really fit in a box like that. I couldn't play the the games, like the office kind of politics yeah. and the, 
the schmoozing and I just, <laughs> I knew it wasn't for me. I was way too artsy. Like I always just wanted to be crafting. I was a potter for a really long time before I even started painting and drawing. I made ceramics. I thought there was a time I thought where I would be a ceramic artist for the rest of my life. Like I couldn't even imagine that, that I would ever want to do anything else. That's how much I was in love with making pottery. And, um, but when push came to shove, I looked at the people that I knew that were making their career out of making pottery and they were really living like at a subsistence level. Yeah. Yeah. We see a lot um, of that. Mm. You do. So, yeah. I mean, I see a lot of like incredible potters on Instagram, just the, the, the proliferation of incredible pottery is also yeah. like, I love it too. Astonishing. I, right. I was, I was hearing you talking about your mugs. Yeah. I'm pretty, I love <laughs> like, ceramics and pottery and, yeah. and, and, and all that. I knew all these people that were doing the, the craft market circuit, you know, where they would make pottery and then they would, sh you know, they would get a booth at a, at a big market. Like even I was living in Beverly Hills, like I was living in a really nice place and, and I knew people who were selling at these markets and they were like, living literally like at the poverty line and they were producing you know their craft all year round selling at many shows a year I didn't want to do that either that that's also kind of where my resistance comes from as far as putting myself out there and like you know trying really hard to sell my own art I kind of have a little bit of of resistance around it because I'm like yeah I know how hard people work and I know what their return is and I and I think that on some level I feel like that would suck out of me what I really love about making art which is really just the therapeutic aspect of it yeah I I can see now knowing your background and yeah definitely can relate to that concern around how hard it is to make a living from selling art on its own it, it that is the reality of it um it is really difficult to make a good income just from selling art um, most people that are doing really well have a number of different sort of arms to their business many are incorporating teaching but if not they're you know they're doing they're moving into things like lifestyle products or events and things like that so it's the straight up just selling the painting that you made is it is a difficult path it can it's just, just a huge hustle it's yeah just it's, if you want to make a living as an artist it's just not an easy way to make a living and the unfortunate thing is that people I think they go into art because of their love of making art but then the income producing part of it becomes sort of such a slog that's the thing that I'm really like protective over of myself because I really did pay my dues for such a long time work like what when I when I grew that business I had to let go of me actually being the artist and we had to hire artists and I just became like an art director and a manager like I was doing the financial stuff and the human resources like there was a lot of you know hiring and firing and interviewing and facilities management like I was doing all all of these other things. And it was really fun to be around creative people and always be around art materials and all that stuff. But, you know, it was a lot of like, oh, the printer, you know, the giant industrial printer we have broke down again, or this equipment isn't right, or the, the quality control, you know, the ink doesn't match. Like it was just basically handling problems day to day instead of like, it was never really me, you know, getting to be an artist. That's never what, what it was. So I'm super protective of at this point, having had that experience of my own experience in making art and making sure that my number one thing is, I mean, it sounds kind of selfish, but it is about me and me and that feeling that I get and that healing that I get from making it, which is really different than running a business. A business. Yeah. And <laughs> really and, different. And, you know, that feeling is worth protecting you know that's that makes a such a huge difference to your experience of life and I I feel that way too I I have built my business around teaching in a way because it has enabled me to retain freedom in the way that I make art it's taken the pressure off the art. There's still an element of that because, you know, I, I want to come up with new ideas for online classes and things like that. But I love teaching. I really enjoy it. Like that, that gives me a lot of joy. So um, for me, I think that works. I've stripped back areas that I don't need um, for that reason. So I think it always comes back to 
figuring out what it is that you enjoy and what you can do that will make you happy and it doesn't feel like work, that you can balance that with your other you know, areas of your life and your family and, and all those sorts of things. It's never really about the money at the end, is it? It never ultimately is. You know, <laughs> it, it never is. Like, it may seem like it is for like five minutes, but yeah. it never really is. So the one thing I, I do want to say is I did start teaching mm. locally to, yeah. pe- you know, friends and family and that kind of stuff. And, and I do really love it. I don't see myself ever doing online classes because like, again, you've got your partner and he's an amazing, you know, videographer and editor. I don't ever see myself. I tried editing video. I'm a, I'm a, just a, not a good video editor. It's really, really difficult for me, but I do really enjoy teaching locally. So that's definitely something. And, and that feels like that's very soul satisfying for me too. Just like I think it is for you. It's, yeah. it's you know, here's a way for you to bring peace and joy into your life and, and let me kind of hold your hand as you get started in that is really, really satisfying. I think if you can focus on those things that, as you said, are soul satisfying, then the rest of the things do tend to, to fall into place. It's, it's about listening though and noticing, isn't it? Like when you feel that resistance, like you were talking about earlier, the resistance to maybe setting up shop and selling your work, like it's really worth paying attention to that and figuring out what that is and thinking through your actions because so often we get propelled on a path because we think that's the path that we're meant to take or there might be sort of pressure coming from other people who may be asking you if they can buy your work and all that sort of stuff. And we need to check in with ourselves and make sure that is actually the soul satisfying path. So there's the one probably biggest lesson that I learned in my entire life is that we all really should pay attention to our own intuition. Yes. And I had to learn that lesson like so many times and in the hardest ways of me just being a people pleaser, doing things that other people wanted me to do, listening to things, you know, that other people told me how to live your life, what to eat, you know, what diet to be on, this thing and that thing. And ultimately what I learned is that voice inside of you, that's really the voice that you need to be listening to. And it just took me a really long time to learn that. I mean, I feel like that's kind of what you're saying. It's, you could be pulled in a million directions, but you've got to listen to what you, what's really going on inside of you and pay attention to that. Absolutely. And I think that's probably a beautiful place (laughs) to wrap it up today because it really (laughs) does come back to listening to your own voice, that you've got the answer is inside yourself. So thank you very much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been a fascinating conversation. (laughs) We've gone in all sorts of different directions and um, I hope that I hope that you've enjoyed it and that you've got some answers to the questions that you had. I have. I really appreciate you humoring me. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm not leaving you hanging, am I? You've been able not to. Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. No, it's, been, it's been really interesting to hear about your path and the decisions that you've made and then to just talk through some of the things that are on your mind at the moment and how you're going to, what decisions you're going to make around all that art that's in your studio. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll be keen to know. So you, if you can keep me posted, that would be fantastic. Oh, I, I'm definitely a, a, a Laura Horn art writer now. <laughs> Beautiful. All right, Wendy, I will let you go because it must be your bedtime. Yeah, I will see you over there. And (laughs) thanks very much. Thanks again. Thank you. Bye, Wendy. Bye.